Hey y'all, this is Andrew, uh, the producer of School Psych Podcast. This episode had some pretty rough audio, especially at the beginning. I do apologize, I tried to clean it up, but I don't think I was very successful. So please bear with it, it gets a little bit better as the episode goes on, um, but we think that the episode is a good one. Thanks for sticking with us, and I hope you enjoy the show. Everybody, thank you for joining us tonight with School Psych Podcast. My name is Rachel. I'm a school psychologist in Maryland, and um, we're excited to have a good conversation today. So, but I'm going to pass it over to Rebecca. Rebecca's going to tell us a little bit about how to participate tonight. Rebecca. Hello, everybody, and welcome. Um, I'm so excited to have this conversation tonight and have you all be a part of it. So if you are tuning in live, please just log in to your YouTube account and you can comment right alongside uh, right alongside the video. If you'd rather comment privately or ask a question um, that won't be saved along with the video for Eternity, you can also message us on either of the Facebook pages, School Psych, Your School Psychologist, or the School Psych Podcast page. And on Twitter, you can tweet using the hashtag PsychPodcast. And that is true over time, whenever you are tuning in and listening on your commute to work or whenever you listen, Please continue to converse, share your ideas, share your experiences, and we can continue the conversation over time. I'm going to hand, hand it off to Eric, who's going to introduce our guest. Thank you, Rebecca. My name is Eric, and I'm a school psychologist in Connecticut. And we are excited to have Dr. Shane Jimerson here with us this evening. And I'll tell you a little bit about him as uh, as we look forward to discussing all kinds of things about school psych review and research in the field um, with him. Uh, Dr. Jimerson is a professor of counseling, clinical and school psychology in the uh, Gervitz Center Graduate School of Education at the University of California, Santa Barbara. He is a nationally certified school psychologist and recognized by the American Academy of Experts in Trauma, Stress as a board certified expert and diplomate. He is included in the International Registry of Experts in Traumatic Stress and Specialization in Working with Children, Families, and Schools. Dr. Jimerson is currently the editor of School Psychology Review, the senior editor for International Science for the School Psychology Journal, and current past president of the Society for the Study of School Psychology. He was also recently president of the International School Psychology Association and recently president of Division 16 of APA, School Psychology. Uh, he was recently editor of School Psychology Quarterly Journal as well. Um, and so he's just done so many things, um, Dr. Jimerson, and I see you have uh, quite a team behind you. So I'm excited to kind of hear about um, your team as well. Uh, but you've been involved in so many areas of leadership, um, at your university as well as uh, APA and NASP and as well as editing several journals. Um, tell us a little bit about what sparked your interest in journal editing and what led you to School Psych Review. <laughs> well, thanks Eric for that uh, very generous introduction there and great to be with you and Rebecca and Rachel here on School Psych Podcast, uh, certainly a big fan and uh, great to have an opportunity to be here with you, each of you. 
And you uh, mentioned the team behind me. For those of you watching online, those of you not listening via the podcast, uh, just to the audio portion, I do want to highlight that I my background features the School Psych Review leadership team. And that's important because as related to your question about being involved with leadership, it's just been my tremendous good fortune to collaborate with so many extremely talented and capable colleagues in school psychology and beyond. Uh, each of the different groups that you mentioned, organizations, associations, the journals, that uh, it's just been so rewarding and fulfilling to collaborate with colleagues throughout. And so I just wanted to highlight real quick in terms of the school psych review leadership team, because we've got colleagues from throughout the, the, throughout the nation. We've got colleagues that are at various institutions, uh, types of institutions. We've got colleagues from uh, various backgrounds and uh, bringing in a lot of diversity in, in all aspects of knowledge and expertise and life experience, um, some international as well. And so I just wanted to highlight that with the tremendous team that we have. So in terms of the, the question you asked about being involved with the leadership activities and how that sort of came about, that I've, as I mentioned, being involved with NASP and Division 16, uh, CASP here in California, of course, and then also ISPA. Some folks recognize that I do a fair amount of international school psychology related scholarship as well as uh, professional leadership. That throughout my graduate studies, as I was attending those conferences and I got to know folks, uh, that as I matriculated into becoming a faculty member, I was super excited about continuing to contribute to these organizations and associations and just had the good fortune of many fabulous colleagues who welcomed me to uh, participate. And again, you learn a lot just through sitting on various committees about these structures and leadership opportunities. And then gradually over time, uh, matriculating into those positions, some of which you described where I would be chairing things, leading things. Oftentimes it was great when you were a co-chair or a vice president, which gave you the opportunity to then further build your knowledge and skills to then be uh, the, the president or the chair of that particular entity. And you asked about the uh, journal aspect. And as I was reflecting on that, I've actually been editing journals uh, as editor, associate editor, senior editor for international science, uh, guest editing for the past 20 years, since 2000. And the very first journal that I had gotten involved with was at the time titled The California School Psychologist, which many folks recognize as the CASP journal. I think that it was one of the uh, first one among the first state association journals that was published regularly and it continued to be published and we were able to navigate negotiate a contract with a publisher which now uh, the title is the contemporary school psychologist so it remains the csp but uh when it had the term california sometimes folks may have perceived it as a regional emphasis but as you know with california be, being so incredibly diverse that the uh, contemporary school psychologist is a great title a great fit it continues to thrive to this day i edited that for like a, for a decade and uh, subsequent to that, I was also associate editor for School Psych Review back in the day. I did some guest editing with uh, various journals within School Psych and beyond School Psych. And then uh, I, in terms of the School Psych Quarterly Journal that you mentioned, which is the Division 16 journal published through the American Psychological Association, I uh, went ahead and uh, put my name in for consideration to serve 
in that position as editor. And following that uh, service, I then continued on as senior editor for International Science. And then most recently, uh, put my name in for consideration for School Psychology Review, which is, again, the NAS published by the National Association of School Psychologists. But we'll get to that later, I suppose. Uh, but in the sense of that journey, it's literally been two decades of nonstop uh, journal editing. And then the one thing I also thought of as you were asking that question is that I've also been involved in editing a lot of handbooks, many handbooks. And that's been another important uh part of my journey in the field of school psychology and uh, being oriented towards trying to continue to advance knowledge and advance scholarship that's really going to uh, help uh, children and families ultimately. Awesome. I know that when you kind of took over um, you know, uh, Twitter, all, uh, all of a sudden I was seeing all this good content on Twitter. And I had heard even before you had taken over um, from other people just chatter, just saying that they were excited for you to step into that, that you were asking really good questions about, you know, what can we do? You know, asking people, what were, what are the problems? What, what would you like to change? And, and just getting feedback from other people. And then, you know, all the, the great social media activity that um, I think we've all been seeing has been really awesome. So. Thank Very you. cool. Tell us about um, your your research interests and what are you focusing on? Well, my my research interests are broad in the sense that I would characterize them as broadly focusing on promoting the social, emotional, behavioral, as well as co cognitive, academic, as well as mental health development of children at school in particular. Again, outside of the COVID context, most children most days are at school, at least in the United States, and in fact, many regions of the world. And so from my perspective, it tr provides tremendous opportunity to identify individuals' needs, their strengths, and really aim to facilitate their development across all those different areas at school every day. And that's, to me, the essence of what we are as school psychologists and uh, what we do in terms of trying to help children and facilitate their well-being. And my own doctoral studies included uh, the area of school psychology, as well as child development at the Institute of Child Development at the University of Minnesota. And I very much see myself as an applied developmental scientist in the sense that we're doing the work. It's, uh, I see school psychology as an applied science in the sense that we are doing the work every day. Some of us direct service as practitioners, some of us as administrators and leaders that are influencing policy and providing that important direction, and others of us that are engaged uh, in the research and scholarship. And again, all of these can be mixed. There's many folks that are doing all of the above, so I, I recognize and acknowledge that. Uh, but in my own journey, I've really focused on the breadth, and I think that that's been valuable in terms of my uh, leadership roles. Like, for instance, the Handbook of Response uh, to Intervention that, that I worked with uh, Matt Burns and Amanda Vander Hayden, uh, the Handbook of School Violence and School Safety, which initially it was Mike Furlong and I, and then uh, also the second edition, we've got uh, Matthew Mayer and Amanda Nickerson involved in that. Um, you know, the, the various, the Handbook of Bullying at School, which I did with Sue Swear and uh, Dorothy Espelage, 
so by doing those, those represent some of the books that I are, are some of the leadership areas I've done in scholarship. Also, another one is the Handbook of International School Psychology, which I worked on collaboration uh, as lead editor, but with uh, Peter Farrell and Tom Oakland. And so those are a few of the areas, you know, in terms of uh, your, to, to respond to your question. Uh, but importantly, most of this, well, the, the, in terms of the editing and the activities as a scholar, it's really not about me. It's really about the field and it's about the all areas. And that's important. You had mentioned, uh, Rachel, about as you had shared some positive feedback that you'd heard some good things and asking good questions. And that's precisely what we did at the onset was uh, we sent I sent out surveys across listservs and across social media, trying to get input from all colleagues across the field. And that includes students. That includes practitioners, that includes other scholars, and it includes folks beyond school psychology, because as I mentioned, uh, we're, we're there within professional settings, working with colleagues that cut across a lot of different areas. And so there's a lot of value to those interdisciplinary, multidisciplinary efforts and collaboration. So again, I don't see these efforts as defined by my scholarship per se. You asked the question, so I gave you information about it, but I also just really want to emphasize that it's way beyond the scope of my scholarship. And that's also reflected in terms of the leadership team uh, you know, that I mentioned earlier. There's 14 of us. And the, the purpose there is to really capture expertise and distinction across a vast array of methodologies, uh, content areas, and really be able to uh, accelerate and contribute uh, beyond my personal scope of you know, breadth and depth of knowledge. Yeah. It's so cool. The, the energy that you bring to all of it uh, is is contagious. And especially, um, I think, on Twitter as a practitioner with, you know, sort of um, just a little bit of time to kind of dip my toe into what other people are doing out there in the, in the country, um, finding your tweets and, and um, your, your acknowledgments of people in the field and the great work that they're doing is really inspirational and exciting. And it's digestible. So just congratulations on, on all the energy that you've brought to School Psychology Review and, and to the field. That's a great thing for all of us. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And I will say that, again, that's a team approach there in terms of we had a vision and we had a mission and we've set out to engage colleagues with School Psych Review through social media. And for me, this has been a huge learning experience because, you know, up front, I was not active on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, uh, all of this. But by learning and uh, being involved and engaged, but also collaborating and, you know, Kirby Wyckoff and Jamie Flowers mm -hmm. and Ryan Farmer uh, have been three colleagues in particular who have worked with us to develop the infrastructure for the uh, School Psych Review social media infrastructure. And now we're active, as you suggested, across Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and the YouTube channel and really trying to be actively engaged. I think we've been successful in, but also getting feedback and tremendous input. And so it goes, it's reciprocal, right? There's a dynamic and reciprocal relationship there that benefits us every day. And hopefully we're uh, 
consequently benefiting the field uh, through these efforts to further distribute and disseminate the scholarship that's uh, featured in School Psych Review. So I appreciate that feedback. And again, I highlight that this is an incredible team effort. Even the leadership team, there's about 10 of the 14 leadership team members who are also active. And we've got many colleagues out there who have been so incredibly supportive. Uh, you know, the folks that are out there and active that uh, you know who you are in terms of uh, reaching out and communicating. And we're grateful for it because that's really given us an opportunity to get the message out well beyond the scope of our small our small infrastructures. And, uh, you know, starting last year, I just looked at it the other day, we had started tweeting in like May of 2020. And right now, as of April 2021, you know, we're nearly surpassing 6,000 followers with the School Psych Review and, uh, and such. So that's just tremendous credit to the collective uh, engagement and contributions and really building that SPR community as we refer to it. And for those that haven't be been involved, get, get involved out there, you know, whether it's Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, uh, we encourage and welcome all to contribute and, and be engaged with the journal and, and sharing ideas, right? Because sometimes it's even sharing what fun things we're doing over the weekend to relax and rejuvenate and de-stress. And that's critically important as well. It's a balance. It's not, it's not a social media stream where we're just trying to fixate on statistics and science. It's, it's across the board. We're looking at, again, the applied science, the applied profession of school psychology, and we want to engage students as well as practitioners, as well as leaders in the field, scholars, faculty members. It's all across the board, right? So we, we welcome all. So we appreciate that feedback, Re Rebecca. It's it's really amazing. Um, I echo what everybody said. Um, I think just my own awareness of of the journal has increased tremendously, even though I've been a NAS member for ages and um, and and have certainly read it <laughs> over many years. Uh, I think the social media presence has made a huge difference. So um, that's really, really exciting. Um, so tell us more about the, the journal itself. Um, is it a NAS publication? Is it peer reviewed? Um, tell us more about it. Absolutely. So School Psychology Review was initially established in 1972. So we're now in the 50th year of the publication. It did have a different name back in the early days as the School Psychology Digest and such. But uh, since the 80s, I believe it was, is that uh, School Psych Review using that uh, title. And we have uh, continued to be the source of science and scholarship to advance science, practice, and policy in the field of school psychology. So it is published through the National Association of School Psychologists. And some listeners out there might be interested to know that just in the past two years, the journal and the NASP Association had begun a partnership with Taylor and Francis Rutledge to publish the journal such that it would be featured in that sort of common format index uh, that that most of the journals are that uh, in terms of being out there available, you know, in the web of science and being easily searchable and having institutional um, subscriptions and such. And School Psychology Review has been around a long time and all members of NASP have free access to the journal. So it's incredibly important to recognize that. 
within the NASP website as you log in as a member, once you gravitate over to the School Psych Review website uh, within NASP, you're able to click on it. There's a button there that says View SPR. And what it does is then takes you into the Taylor and Francis portal. But it's basically taking your NASP credentials and allowing you access to all um, through that through that uh, NASP slash uh, intersect with Taylor and Francis portal. And as you mentioned, Eric, you have access to every article published, well, the, the reality of it is every article published since 1972 within this journal. You also have access to some other journals through the agreement with Taylor and Francis and NASP. And in addition, you'll have the current issues as they come out. And because of the digital technology of contemporary context of publishing, you'll actually have access to each of the papers that we're accepting. You typically have access to those papers within 30 days. And so what's critically important about that is that within the publishing world, it can take a year or two years once a paper is accepted for publication to ultimately be featured like in a issue, like in a print issue. School Psychology Review is available exclusively digitally. Again, historically, there were about 45 years, I think, where it was distributed in paper form, but you can imagine the costs and distribution associated with that. And so a few years ago, NASP had made that decision to have it uh, digitally available exclusively. And so because those online first, those publications that we've accepted are there, you can read the information as soon as it is prepared and formatted and typeset and all of that, it's available online. So that's something that some of our colleagues may not be aware of that I just wanted to encourage. And I also would mention that there's just been an article that was accepted in, I believe it was finally accepted or and or put into uh, put on to the online first platform in about January of 2021. And notably that article, that article by uh, Dr. Huang and Dr. Uh, Cornell um, focusing on zero tolerance and teachers perspectives was selected already. So that article has only been published online and it's it's going to be featured in a forthcoming special topic section on preventing school violence and promoting school safety, right? But that article already has been selected and received an award from AERA uh, Division E, which is the Counseling and Human Development Division, that it's the distinguished article of the year for 2020 for for the 2021 award. And so that's I, I mentioned that as an example because that article has officially not yet even be, been featured in a actual volume because it's sequential. You know, we end up publishing uh, four times a year in terms of the journal uh, issues. But I want to point out that those online first articles are forthcoming uh, as they are accepted and as the uh, production staff and the authors complete the necessary details to put them online first. So that's critically important. And hey, here's a pro tip. You can go into the Taylor and Francis website, personally subscribe to the alerts within the School Psych Review Journal for through Taylor and Francis. And you know what? Every single moment when that online first article is appearing and or when they feature it, when we feature a new volume issue with the table of contents and everything, every single one of those, you will receive a, a prompt. And again, you know, this is not like one a day. It's not like that, right? You're, you're, you're looking at smaller numbers. So you might get one a week or something like that. 
But the point is, and sometimes that one note might list you know, three different new articles that are available um, as they do if you use the digest function. So, so part of it is, is just uh, recognizing that each of us, especially as NAST members, but other colleagues who are out there uh, can access it through their institutional subscriptions uh, and, and, and otherwise uh, have subscriptions. And hey, if nothing else, uh, become a NAST member and, uh, you know, sign up and you'll have free access to the uh, School Psych Review Journal. But I just wanted to share a few of those elements because we want this to be a tremendously valuable resource for students, practitioners, in addition to scholars and faculty and policymakers, right? Uh, of course, we hope that some folks will use it in their professional development and uh, utilize these articles to share with their administrators when you need to craft the argument. It's great if you have a meta-analysis or the most contemporary, you know, most sophisticated analyses, uh, the best quality study possible as featured in School Psych Review to bring to the, to share with those parents, to share with those administrators, to share with those colleagues to uh, support the position uh, or inform the position. It could be that it was a little different than the one that you were thinking, but, but really being able to in include that science and that scholarship to advance our practice, to advance policy, and uh, really ultimately benefit children and our work to serve children and families and communities. Yeah. Awesome. I had a question. Um, so when we're signing on to NASP, and I think this is awesome that everybody has access to that, are you, is it by journal, um, publish, like are there group by issue, or can you search if I wanted a no. topic on, you know, RTI or something, am I able to search and find that? back to 1972 you know, or whenever you said that? Absolutely, so excellent question, Rachel. And when you're in the NAS website, what presently is listed on that School Psych Review page, right at the top of the page, it does have a sizable sort of rectangle-ish button that says view SPR so that you'll understand that if you're logged in as a NAS member, you click there and then it would direct you into the Taylor and Francis website. And the reason I mention that is that for NAS members, I wanna make sure that they know how to access the journal and, and make it easy for them. But also for non-NAS members, just go directly through your institutional subscriptions or directly through Taylor and Francis. Anyone, Rachel, can search the School Psych Review, um, the, the School Psych Review archives, okay? And so uh, as you asked, once you're routed into the Taylor and Francis website, the top of the, the, top of the menu is actually a search, a search bar. And you can put in a term that you're interested in, whether that's ADHD or autism or um, promoting the development of black children, you know, whatever that is. And you can put that in there and it will yield those articles that come up with matching terms, much like Google. And again, if you went in there through your membership access through NASP, you just click on the articles, download, you have full access. If you went in through your institutional subscription, similarly, and if you happen to go in there and you don't have uh, any sort of institutional or NAS membership, it will still give you access to the uh, title and the abstract. But as you know, with the way that uh, professional publishing works, it would then uh, offer you opportunity to purchase the particular article you're interested in. So again, it's actually more cost efficient to become a NAS member and then just access all the articles. Um, and again, through your NAS membership, you also have access to other journals that are featured by Taylor and Francis in addition to School Psych Review. So there is just tremendous access. So hopefully that's help helpful, Rachel, in terms of thinking about 
how you might get information about the topics you're most interested in in the moment. And uh, yes, it would pull up all of those that are available. And generally speaking, there's ways to sort it by, for instance, date of publication. So you could start by looking at those uh, articles that are the most recent. And again, that would include online first articles because the, the reality of it is, is just given the publication queue and cycle, you've got articles that are now available to all of each of us, but yet they're not yet technically featured in a uh, volume, right? So I just want to make that clear. They have a DOI. They're widely accessible and available. For instance, this one already received a Distinguished Article of the Year Award from AERA. So they're they're legit. They're real. Um, and but they're not yet um, it featured in a volume. Okay. I think that's fantastic. Just the um, you know the the comments that I see sometimes on social media that, you know, so much research is behind a paywall or it's difficult to access. And, um, you know, knowing that we have access to quite a bit through our NAS membership, uh, as well as access to other journals that Taylor and Francis publishes, um, that's just really fantastic. And I, I think important for us to, to remember. Absolutely. And thank you for pointing that out, Eric, as well. Some articles will, through arrangement, be made open access. And open access means that it will remain available to all in perpetuity. So that's another piece of the uh, puzzle in terms of recognizing that we do also want some of this scholarship to be widely available and accessible um, you know, to all uh, uh, allied colleagues, other professionals, students, uh, and also, we often will make many articles available as full, um, full access. So full access would be that when we're posting them in our social media, oftentimes those are full access such that individuals could immediately access that without needing to go through the um, other portals and such. And that's another sort of value added. So certainly NAS members have the best of all worlds because they have access to everything historically, currently, as well as other journals. But it is important to recognize that uh, there are instances where some of the articles will be open access. And because of our social media efforts, uh, featuring articles, scholars, uh, each, each month we do this, uh, that those articles are then made full access uh, through Taylor and Francis. And typically they're available for at least that month, but oftentimes for two months. Um, and in some instances, we've got some really fabulous contributions that Taylor and Francis has agreed um, to make available for a, a, a more extended period. That's great. And we also have a really uh, good viewer question for you. Um, Corey wonders, she'd love to hear your thoughts on how to go from full-time, and of course that's sometimes more than full, practitioner in the field to dipping her toes into publishing or research. Do you have any suggestions or advice? Excellent. Yeah, super exciting to hear uh, Corey's interest and enthusiasm for this. And certainly we know colleagues who have been able to navigate uh, all of these worlds uh, in terms of being primarily uh, full-time practitioners, but then also doing the research, the evaluation work, and then also being able to take time, make time to write that up and prepare it for submission uh, for consideration in a journal. And, you know, in terms of that process of becoming um, more involved in this sense and depending upon your own skill set and your own experiences, one of the things we have done is featured a number of webinars through SPR. So 
for individuals who are listening and just finding out about school psych review, uh, just this for by through this uh, school psych podcast, uh, recognize that we're sending out information via Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, as we mentioned, but we're also featuring free webinars that we've hosted every month. And in that format, the reason I mention it is that we have particular webinars focusing on, focusing on various topics such as preparing a dissertation project for publication in a journal. And that one's featured. It's like, those are typically like hour long sessions. We also do hour long sessions on our special topic sections where we're featuring those and describing those. And the other piece of the puzzle that I'll highlight is that we also have webinars to help individuals learn about the publishing process. And so depending upon your background and your experiences and your familiarity, because I know it varies considerably across programs and who was mentoring and who you've had an opportunity to work with and how long it's been, uh, you can go on to the School Psych Review YouTube channel and watch those videos that are like brief, you know, hour long, very informative, educational. We also have one uh, in addition to the one that's talking about the peer review process and publications. We also have a, a special featured webinar on the process of serving on an editorial board. And I mention that because that is tremendously valuable to further develop your skills and understand what it takes to be successful in preparing, submitting, and ultimately having your paper, your, your manuscript six, uh, successfully uh, accepted by the journal. And I, I mentioned that because a couple of things. For one, in terms of one of our innovations has been to develop a student editorial board, for example. And that's been purposely and intentionally to focus on preparing the next generation of uh, colleagues and scholars who will both be contributors, as well as uh, continuing to serve on editorial board um, editorial boards. And in particular, as they review those papers and as they have an opportunity to see how other individuals reviewed, the, they receive the feedback. When you're on the editorial board, you receive the feedback from the other reviewers in addition to the decision letter that the action editor had uh, submitted. And so the reason I mentioned that is that's yet another opportunity to refine your skills and your knowledge. And again, some of you might already have that, so it's not, it's not essential, but depending upon your journey and depending upon where you are, there's so many school psychologists who are doing great work, especially in the evaluation lane. Um, many school psychologists are accessing and have access to large data sets. They're using them to address the contemporary challenges that we are facing every day within the schools. And using those data to help children and inform our decision making, right? And many instances, those types of data sets would be uh, valuable to be able to share the results of that information, those projects, the evaluations. Um, just for example, the evaluations uh, that were related to the implementation of mental health supports in Missouri and other states had recently been featured in volume one of School Psych Review and that special topic section focused on promoting uh, student mental health at school, right? And really focused on a public health model to advancing mental health supports within the school settings. And those data were, well, in many instances, they were collaborations between universities and school psych and district colleagues who were working collaboratively uh, to develop those data, to complete the analyses, to prepare 
the uh, written you know summary of the results and such so uh, Corey hopefully some of that will be helpful uh, I just like to you know encourage our colleagues who are out there listening to really give that serious consideration and uh, certainly get involved be involved access and ask questions and we're happy to share information uh, so great question Corey thank you And I'll say that as a practitioner, I think that that whole publishing world for sure seems overwhelming. So I, I'm definitely curious to check out. I'm so glad that you have the, these webinars that can allow people to kind of get a feel for if that's something that's feasible for them and that they're interested in. But it, it does seem because like, practitioners, we, we don't do that. We haven't been, I, I didn't take really courses in grad school on research publication or, or I don't know that world. So that's that's nice that you have that available for us. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, and it's super important. The commitment to bringing the scholarship to, to practice and informing the services that we offer is really a fundamental component of our efforts and the entire leadership team, our entire editorial board. We have, like I said, we have student members. We also have uh, practicing school psychologists who are on our editorial board. And then, of course, we have uh, a fair amount of faculty as well. And, and so that's uh, that's another opportunity in terms of folks getting involved, even as like a reviewer on an editorial board uh, to also be able to learn those skills and that sort of thing. So, yeah, it's a commitment of school psych review for sure. Um, one of the things that I've really appreciated about what I've seen online in particular, as well as call for papers and some special issues, um, is the focus on equity, anti-racism. Um, and so I, I'd love it if you'd talk a little more about that. It, it seems to me like perhaps a new avenue for the, jur the journal um, and perhaps built up maybe of, of uh, culminating interests of, of everyone. Um, but I, I just really appreciate that and um, wonder if you can tell us more about um, about that focus. Absolutely. Well, and we're glad you noticed, Eric, for sure, for certain. It has been intentional and purposeful and as reflected by the tremendously talented leadership team that we began our discussions of collaborating in this uh, area in 2019 as I was uh, selected as editor elect at that juncture, immediately uh, engaging in communications with uh, tremendously talented colleagues of whom many of you will recognize not just as leaders and scholars, but also individuals who have contributed and advanced our field, school psychology, in terms of di diversity and equity and inclusion. Certainly among our of our five top priorities is absolutely uh, pervasive through all. And even in the reflection, let's just start with the infrastructure of developing a large, tremendously talented and esteemed uh, leadership team. Let's start there, right? So, you know, those of you who can't see the screen behind me, I have the leadership team because we are, we work collaboratively, we work together, we are a team and we're, this is way beyond just me doing things in isolation. So we've got uh, Frank Warrell going, you know, he's out at UC Berkeley. We've got Jamelia Blake, we've got uh, Amanda Sullivan, we've got F Francis Wong, we've got Gary Canavay, we've got Jorge Gonzalez, we've also got Scott Graves and Prana Aurora, also got Sam Song and Tyler Rinshaw, Stacey Ann January, Dorothy Espelage, 
as well as Shizen Wang. And this is a tremendously talented team, as many of you recognize, both in terms of the breadth of their scholarship and expertise and methodologies regionally represented, and also in terms of the individual diversity that each of us brings to it in terms of our life experiences, our journey, whether that has to do with um, our socioeconomic status, whether that has to do with our abilities, whether that has to do with our race, ethnicity, our cultures, and, and really that, that collective contribution. So starting with that is important as related to this question, Eric, that we're working together collectively, but we're also reaching out and asking colleagues. We've done multiple surveys of school psychologists asking them, for instance, one of our immediate foci was to attempt to identify the most pressing contemporary topics that we ought to deliver scholarship on to advance science, advance practice, and advance policy. And the leadership team worked collectively, but we were also taking input from colleagues uh, throughout the country and students and, and all without, within our surveys that we were doing, some folks emailing. Uh, I had Zoom meetings with various colleagues as well. And attempting to identify where where are the priorities? What do we need to do next? Similarly, developing the editorial advisory board. We did an open call for applications. It's the only time in the history of the, any of the journals, as far as I know, that we sought out for colleagues to contribute, to self-identify. And we did emphasize that we aim to advance the diversity and the equity and the inclusion among the contributing members. And so through that process, we yielded so many tremendously talented colleagues that were way beyond any of our individual orbits. And that's, that's critically important. We spoke to this in our introductory editorial that we titled Advancing uh, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion in School Psychology, Be the Change. That's what we've been focused on, to be the change. And then I mentioned the editorial, the student editorial board. So when we focused on developing the student editorial board, we wanted to have strong mentoring involved from our editorial board members, but we also encouraged them to identify students who would uh, have an enthusiasm, have the commitment, and also those in particular who were from historically underrepresented and or marginalized groups. And so with that process across the board, our leadership teams over 70% um, individuals from historically underrepresented and or marginalized groups, our advisory board's over 35%, and our student editorial board is over 75% individuals from historically underrepresented and marginalized groups. In particular, that being critically important because that's the future of the field. That's the future of our practitioners. That's the future of our scholars. Those are gonna be the faculty, next generation. They're gonna be the researchers. They're already out there doing it. They're doing tremendously great work. And that's where we do see uh, tremendous diversity. But again, when we look at the field broadly, whether you look at Division 16 data, APA, uh, whether you look at NASP, uh, wherever you look at your data, we can see that there's like roughly fewer than 10% individuals uh, in the field of school psychology as reported by those demographic characteristics, specifically as related to race, ethnicity, um, who are from not white, uh, not white. So fewer than 10%. 
So those numbers of 70%, 35%, 75% are very large, reflecting this tremendous commitment and so critically important because our population of children in our schools, again, I know that you folks know this, so I'm not trying to be on the soapbox here. I'm just trying to articulate how we got to where we are and why it's so critically important and why we have this commitment. But nationally, we know that children, not, you know, children from diverse backgrounds, uh, children with uh, who are linguistically, culturally diverse are both increasing as well as in many regions are already above more than the, the, they're the majority population in many of our schools and our communities as well, if not in our state. Uh, so importantly for us, we want to, we have a commitment collectively to advancing the, publishing that scholarship that's going to advance the science the practice, the policy, and equity in the field of school psychology. And by having the constellation of tremendously talented colleagues and individuals that I've described in brief involved with the journal, we truly have an opportunity to make these uh, advancements and contributions that we envision. And the topics that we're identifying that are consistent with these areas. Every special topic section that we are focused on does necessarily and purposely include a focus on diversity and equity and uh, considering those elements in the science and the scholarship and the articles that will be featured. And some of them are specifically 110% dedicated uh, to the topic. The most recent uh, due date was April 15th, and that's on focused on promoting the development of black boys. And then, you know, focusing on their social, emotional, behavioral and academic success. Right. It's a strength based approach. And importantly, I think for the first time in the history of school psychology, we have four black males who are editing a special topic section focused on supporting the development of black males. That's tremendously important. And it involves a collaboration. Of course, Scott Graves is one of our uh, senior or our senior distinguished colleagues that's on the leadership team, but it also has, you know, uh, Ty Collins, who's another tremendously talented colleague, as well as two uh, junior uh, colleagues who are just become just up and coming faculty members who are already providing these contributions as guest editors, uh, Isaac and Camonte. So I just wanted to mention that uh, that is an example. Uh, but this is absolutely an area that we are committed to, dedicated to, as I said, our introductory editorial uh, for 2021, which is the first time we've had an opportunity to carve out our space. Uh, you read that article and this is what we're saying and this is what we're doing. And again, it's not you got to you got to walk the talk and we're absolutely committed. People have heard about it for about a year now, but you're seeing it now in the articles that are being featured and forthcoming and the uh, emphasis and the highlights that we're sharing um, and the types of talented colleagues that are coming in as guest editors is just absolutely transformational for the field. So in addition to the leadership team, we've got another 11 colleagues who have agreed to serve as guest editors on these various special topic sections, some of whom are school site, but some of whom you know, are professors in medical schools and professors in school, special education and professors in developmental psychology. And each of those individuals are not only bringing their tremendous talents and strengths and brilliance, but they're also contributing the diversity even beyond what we have 
in the field of school psychology. So I just want to highlight that as a few examples of some of the efforts and initiatives as related to the focus. And again, it's not just the right thing to do. It's the better thing to do. It's better because it's going to inform our practice. It's going to inform our science. And importantly, it's going to inform policy because isn't that a tremendous shortcoming if we just have a whole lot of research focused on a whole lot of white children, uh, you know, that's completed within a context that may not be generalizable or representative. And uh, featuring that good work in that science that in involves diverse participants, uh, children, teachers, schools and context, and diverse scholars who are thinking about things that enriches us further and the collective contributions together, that's what it's gonna take to advance our practice, advance our science, and let's not forget, continue to advance the policies that are associated. Because I know a lot of school psychologists matriculate into leadership positions. It just seems to be the thing um, that they matriculate into leadership positions. And obviously NASP is making tremendous efforts to support school psychologists and children and allied professionals on the legislative front. But also there's those policies that are implemented every day as related to whatever the topic is, discipline, uh, discipline, truancy, attendance, uh, grade retention, that there's just a lot of other policies that are not federally mandated that we have an opportunity to inform and advance through the scholarship that we're featuring in the journal. And it ne necessarily needs to include our uh, it's better when we have our diverse collective of contributors across the board. So again, it's not just the right thing to do, it's the better thing to do. I love that so much. And I think that Rebecca and I were, were I think we we're all thinking the same things. And uh, Rebecca and I both put that quote right in the chat box right away for everybody because it's just so true. And unfortunately, I think there's a lot of people, I think that school psychologists are better, but there's a lot of people I think in the country that don't see the value of of this that this helps everybody this isn't and so yeah it's that's just so true it, it helps everybody when we're thinking in that manner i appreciate that feedback and just to raise it up one more octave when you look at the science there are scholars who look at the value of diversity in cognitive diversity discipline diversity background ethnic racial cultural diversity and there's large data sets that have demonstrated whatever the field is, the fields range from business and banking to computer science and others, social sciences, that those teams to solve the big complex problems, our greatest opportunity is to engage a diverse set of colleagues who are super talented, super bright and super committed and are all focused collectively in unison on, uh, on pursuing solutions. And so again, I agree, Rachel, that it, it makes sense, but it also, it, there's, a, there's an evidence base and a science that informs us here. And given that school psychology continues, continues to emphasize the importance of making data-based decisions, of using science to inform our practice, uh, this is yet another source of science that is clear and evident that we necessarily need to engage with uh, diverse thoughts, thinking, disciplines, that emphasizes the interdisciplinary piece, individuals from various contexts, cultures, and backgrounds in order to solve the most complex problems, of which I think that's what school psychologists are frankly doing every day. That's what we do. 
uh, as school psychologists. We're there working to solve the most complex problems to benefit children and families and school staff every day. You know, I, I just probably don't really have a question here, but just echoing that and just the the fact that in our world, in our society, we have overlooked so many great co contributions from people of color for decades, for centuries, and and we've missed out. Our science has missed out. Our practice has missed out. Um, and so, just like you said, that that diversity um, it, it helps us. It, it's so you know we're better off for it, um, and it's representative of all of us, uh, which is crucial. So, um, just I'm applauding here and and really excited to hear this. Yeah, I'd also just like to point out that in terms of the esteem and the dis incredible distinction, uh, you know, as you look at the as you look at the scholars who I mentioned who are with me on the leadership team, who I have the gr great fortune of collaborating with, they're tremendously distinguished. And what better for the journal and for NAS than to have them have us collectively work together to to find our way forward? And so that's absolutely right, Eric. And I did notice that. Sherry Proctor, who's obviously tremendously, uh, tremendously talented colleague and, and tremendous gratitude, watched the uh, School Psych Review webinar uh, featuring Sher Dr. Proctor and Dr. Barrett. They did one on advancing uh, social justice in our scholarship, which is absolutely tremendously important. So check that out. But the thing that Dr. Proctor said in the comment, which I also wanted to highlight, is that these are our objectives within School Psych Review are also intimately connected to the NASP, the NASP strategic goals. And one of those has to do with social, advancing social justice. So that one is one of them. Another one is advancing diversity and leadership, which we are also developing tremendous, tremendous strong uh, infrastructures, not just for the present, but, but that will be sustainable for the future. Uh, so I did want to highlight that. Again, Dr. Proctor's always got such great information and insights and she had dutifully noted that uh, these efforts that we're making within the journal are consistent with the NASP uh, strategic goals. I have so many questions I could pick your brain about. I know we're running short on time, but I'm just uh, uh, so excited here and, and just really impressed. Um, you know, the, the journey of continuing to contribute to the field of scholarship, um, you know, of scientific practice um, and the fact, you know, hearing your journey and also the fact that we can all um, continue to participate in this at any level. Um, we don't have to be uh, a professor or, you know, continuing to publish for tenure. Uh, we can write a, a, you know, a case study or a series of case studies or do a lit search or a meta-analysis and contribute to the body of literature um, and receive feedback from peer reviewers to improve the, you know, the quality of the, the submission if needed. And um, I, I appreciate that. And, and also, you know, sometimes you hear um, things online about other journals, uh, you know, perhaps that, you know, reviewer two in quotes was dismissive and, mm. um, and, and I like the fact that your mission, you're continuing to, to sort of, uh, reiterate this mission is to improve our craft and improve our science. And, and that's the reviewers contribution as well is to, um, you know, support this, the scholar whose work they're uh, reading and reviewing and, um, you know, to continue furthering the field. So um, I just, I really love that. 
Yeah, absolutely. And Eric, our focus for our editorial board is on being kind, being thoughtful, being succinct, being constructive. You know, we're, we want to provide that high quality feedback. And again, be kind. And literally, we have be kind the first and be kind the last, recognizing that for some individuals, this is the first article they've ever submitted to a professional journal. And we want to be certain that the quality of this feedback is constructive, not, not destructive. That's a commitment of every member of our editorial advisory board, of our entire leadership team. And so related to that uh, statement, Eric, yes, absolutely. The other thing I just want to mention, I know we'll be running short on time, but uh, one of the things is, is that, uh, well, in terms of some forthcoming special topic sections, we have one that's forthcoming on reconceptualizing school psychology for the 21st century, the future of school psychology. And importantly, Amanda Sullivan and Frank Worrell are two of the are the two guest editors for that special topic section that we've already received the submissions. And there's a lot of really great ones that are working their way through the process. But also, um, you know, I mentioned the supporting supporting student mental health at school. I mentioned the school violence and school safety forthcoming topics. We've also been featuring some articles on COVID-19 and school psychology and adaptations and new directions for the field. So again, we've already featured three of those articles in print. One of those had to do with assessment, which was obviously critically important, but we've also got others that'll be forthcoming throughout this year. But again, I mentioned those that are already accepted are available online first. So I just want to highlight that you don't have to wait for the entire volume to be in print, which can take, you know, at least months, but often a year. Um, addressing youth suicide through prevention, intervention, and postvention, tremendously important topic. We've seen it increasing in our awareness throughout the period, but that was one of our early special topic sections that will also be forthcoming. So you can see those articles online. And then also theory, methods, and practice to advance equity and social justice in school psychology. That's going to be incredibly important, which, uh, again, Amanda Sullivan, Sam Song, Prana Aurora, all working collaboratively to guest edit that. And then I mentioned the promoting the development of black males, right, supporting social, behavioral, emotional, and academic success. And then we have one forthcoming as well, school climate, bullying, and social emotional learning, which are... Um, editorial fellows are co-editing, that's Chun Yan Yang and Tamika LaSalle, both early career dynamite diverse scholars in collaboration with uh, Dr. Dorothy Espolage. Some of you might recognize that name. She's a tremendously talented scholar. And uh, we have one that's not yet even out there, but I'll give you a sneak peek, addressing prejudice and anti-racism within the school context. And so uh, Jamelia Blake and colleagues will be leading that. So again, these are just some of the topics that we're featuring that I think many school psychologists will have great interest in. And we're attempting to identify and secure the best possible articles to share that scholarship that's going to advance our knowledge, right? And the other thing is, is one might ask, well, how's it going so far? Well, through all of these efforts that we've mentioned through the social media, well, on Twitter, for instance, uh, School Psych Review has just about 6,000 followers. So uh, that's only a year and gone from zero to 6,000. I think in the next two weeks, we'll surpass 6,000. Some of you listening might want to join on, follow School Psych Review on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and subscribe to the YouTube channel because then you get updates on every single post that we share a video. But importantly, in terms of the submissions that we received, 
In 2019, the journal had received 84 submissions. As of this past year, we received over 275 during 2020, of which the incoming editorial board was managing those papers since uh, June. And importantly, that's a 227% increase. So uh, that's astronomical. So that's a strong sign that we're getting colleagues to submit high quality scholarship to the journal. So anyway, I, there might be last questions or comments, so I wanna leave time for that, but I did just wanna share that information as well. And thanks Chelsea for saying that our Twitter game is strong and a special shout out there, Kirby Wyckoff, Jamie Flowers and Ryan Farmer, because we developed a social media plan for SPR and they have been collaborating and teaching me and helping me understand. And importantly, so inspiring that now that we also have the NASP staff who are engaged with us as of uh, January 2021. And so you'll even see another level of professionalism and uh, preparation in there that uh, school psych faculty don't necessarily have enough time to uh, develop on their own, but uh, super exciting. So thanks for that feedback, Chelsea. And hopefully you're actively engaged and involved and uh, part of that SPR community. Yeah, that's, that's high praise from, uh, from Chelsea. She is a, a Twitter master and uh, so we love her. I love it. Thank you. Thank you, Lynette. All right, um, looking for yeah, any last minute questions that we've got a lot of positive comments and, and things. Um, Rebecca or Eric, anything that you wanna wrap on? I know we're, we're running out of time, but. Um. I just wanna mention everybody out there tonight, all our viewers, this is a collection of Schools Like Rockstars. So thank you all for being here. It's so exciting to see your name pop up in the chat and have you participate in this conversation. And I feel so energized, Dr. Jimerson. I'm so excited to um, log on to my NASP uh, website and get those um, notifications. Such good tips tonight and such good information. Thank you so much for being with us this evening. My pleasure. My pleasure. And yeah, the pro tips of subscribe to the YouTube channel, subscribe to the online first alerts, and you will have instant access on your desktop, laptop, and uh, whatever your device is, even your phone to the best of School Psych Review at the moment that it's dropped. And so definitely I encourage folks to do it. It's fantastic. I think we've got about a thousand subscribers to the YouTube channel presently, but uh, it's going to be great. More great information. We have webinars coming up, right? We've got it every month. We feature more webinars. We just featured one on uh, school supporting student mental health at school. And uh, we've got that upcoming one on school climate and uh, advancing the uh, supports for students, social emotional learning. That's fantastic. Thank you so much, Dr. Jimerson. And uh, we will, um, We've got a, a few guests coming up. We've got our last uh, sort of month or so of uh, the season coming up. So we'll keep you all posted. We're keeping our fingers crossed that we'll have Dr. Miguel Cardona on sometime soon. He gave us a, a verbal yes, but we haven't been able to schedule yet. So uh, we're excited, uh, hopefully, to get a chance to speak with our Secretary of Education as well. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, we'll keep you all keep you all posted. Thank you again, Dr. Jimerson, and thanks everyone for participating. Thank you. Great to be here. Great to see you, Rachel, Rebecca, and Eric, and uh, great to see so many folks participate. So thank you.